we're so glad that you are here with us. Hey, a, a couple things that I want to let you know about is, first of all, uh, a week from now, which is New Year's Day, Sunday, New Year's Day, uh, we are actually going to be having one service and uh, the weather report, I think, looks pretty good. So, uh, in fact, I was seeing we'll be in the 50s, perhaps. So we're going to be right here in the room together on Sunday, January 1st, for one service at 10 o'clock. We're going to be having baptisms. We're going to be sharing testimonies and stories of God's faithfulness and greatness. And so I just encourage you to join us again Sunday, January 1st at 10 o'clock. If you've been around Journey over the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been in a series called The Christmas Three. And if you haven't been around, that probably doesn't make any sense at all. But what we've been talking about is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about God the Father, how he loves and how he gives. And then last week, we talked about God the Holy Spirit and how he empowers and how he leads. Spoiler alert, today we're going to be talking about God the Son. And I'll just give you the points ahead of time in case you got to get off in a hurry. God the Son sees... And he, uh, <laughs> and he pursues, and he chases, and he rescues. I'll get it right in a minute when I have the, my Bible in front of me. But I wanted to let you know that because uh, next Sunday on January 1st, we're going to be giving out ornaments. We hoped to be able to do that this weekend. And we have an ornament. This is really cool. It's a wooden ornament that is a, a Celtic symbol of the Trinity. And we hope that uh, you'll be able to put it on your tree. If you're one of these people who keeps your trees around until like Valentine's Day, uh, you'll be able to put it on your tree. Or if you're a person who takes everything down, you can put it up next year. And it will remind you that in this Christmas season that there is God the Father who loves and who gives. And that there is God the Holy Spirit who empowers and leads. And that there is God the Son who sees and he rescues. And we'll get that right in just a moment. Uh, I want to talk about the Christmas story if I talked about something else, you would feel slighted. But you know, the Christmas story actually starts years, thousands of years. It's long before Mary and Joseph and a cave in Bethlehem. The Christmas story actually starts all the way back at the very beginning with creation. That God creates, and he sees it as good, and he creates some more, and he sees it as good, and he creates some more, and he sees it as good. And finally, there's this culmination in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, that says, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. God the Father looks at everything that he's created, fish and birds and animals and oceans and, and mountains, and a man and a woman, and he sees that all of it, is very good. It didn't take long, though, for us to disrupt things. If only Scripture ended with chapter 2 of Genesis. But there's a Genesis chapter 3, as I often talk about, a journey. In Genesis chapter 3, there is the evil one who is represented as a serpent, and he comes and he deceives Adam and Eve, and he convinces them that God is holding out on them, that God doesn't really love them, he doesn't really have their best interests at heart, and so... They rebel against God. They sin. They do the one thing that God had told them not to do. They eat of the forbidden fruits. And instantly, all of God's perfect order, all of creation is broken in that moment. The relationship that the man and the woman have with each other 
is broken and now there's insecurities and fear and shame that enter into the relationship. Even worse, the relationship that mankind had with Almighty God, this God that they would walk with and talk with is instantly disrupted and broken. It reminds me of a number of years ago, my son who is now 17, reminds me of a gift that we gave him. And he had wanted a remote control car. Now this, is, this isn't the same car. But he had wanted a remote control car, and I remember just the delight that we had as he opened the gift, and, and it wasn't long. In fact, it, by the end of that day, that remote control car was broken. Can you imagine? I'm sure that's never happened to you. You've probably never given a gift that was broken very quickly, or you've never received a gift that you accidentally broke very quickly. But if you had, just imagine for a second, like, what would you think in that moment? What would you feel? How would you react? How would you fix it? Now here is God, the perfect heavenly father, the perfect creator, the one who loves with a love that we can't even begin to imagine. And he sees his creation rebel against him and sin and break the perfect order that he had made. What does God the father do? Well, if you keep reading in the account in Genesis chapter three, you'll see that God the Father, who is a perfect father, he has to discipline. He has to hand down consequences. And so he gives consequences to the man. And he gives consequences to the woman. And then he does something very odd. He even gives consequences to the serpent. Now remember, the serpent is a representation of Satan, the evil one. And he, and he says to the serpent, in fact, this is really interesting, and I promise this all relates to the Christmas story. In fact, this really is the prophetic element that propels the Christmas story all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God is speaking, and he says, and I will cause hostility between you, he's speaking to the serpent, the devil, the evil one. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and then this is very interesting, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he, the offspring of the woman, the, the seed of Eve, the, 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 the offspring of Eve, the son of Eve, will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. God is saying that there would one day be a son of Eve that would break the stronghold of the enemy and bring restoration once again. It's a prophetic statement that has consequences that you and I can't even imagine. And the book of Genesis then propels forward. And we read about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we go into the book of Exodus and we read about Moses. And then we get into the judges and we get into the kings and the prophets. And over and over again as we read through scripture, we hear prophetic utterances that there is one who is coming who will make right all that has been broken. All that has been shattered. There is one who is coming, the anointed one, the coming one, who, referenced in different ways, who will make it all right again. Until finally, we get to a scene where there's a teenage girl minding her own business when a warrior angel named Gabriel appears before her. And these are the words in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What do we learn from this passage? There's so much that we learn. We talked a little bit from this passage last week, but some of the things that we learned for sure is that Mary's son will be like no other baby who had ever been born in the past and who would ever be born in the future. Her baby would not be born as a result of a sexual relationship. And as we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit, just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, the Holy Spirit would come upon her and empower her and lead her. And Mary would give birth to the eternal Son of God. In other words, God the Son, the eternal Son of God, who has no beginning, would become fleshy. In the words of John the Apostle, or maybe you like to call him John the Revelator, so the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And this is the amazing thing that we, it's so powerful and so mysterious and so beyond us as human beings to fully comprehend the mystery of Christmas is that God descends and becomes one of us. Just a stranger one of us, just a slob one of us trying to find his way home. Like, how amazing is this? But why? Why does he do all this? It goes all the way back to the beginning of the story. In fact, when Joseph has a dream, and in his dream, an angel appears to him, we, we get some of it. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That line, I just can't get away from that line, and he will save his people from their sins. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, would you just say that line with me? For he will save his people from their sins. See, our greatest need is salvation from our sins. Here's why Jesus, the Son of God, became one of us, so that he might save his people. That's you, that's me, that's everyone in this whole earth, that he might save us from our sins. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became human so that he might experience humanity. I don't, I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe as we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, you're prancing through the glitter and the tinsel and the wonder of Christmas. And maybe you're the person who's just like been counting down the hours until this whole season is over because it just reminds you too much of faces and places that are no longer. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that Jesus identifies with you. That's why he came and became one of us, so that he could identify with everything that we go through. Jesus grieved. He was betrayed. He was left high and dry by people that he loved. He laughed. He cried. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was unjustly sentenced to death. He was tortured. 
where he was not executed in a quick, painless way, but where he for hours suffocated to death. Ultimately, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took our place. He voluntarily experienced the consequences and the punishment that we deserve because of our rebellion and our sin. He died on a cross, and before the evening was over, before the afternoon was over, his body was put into a borrowed grave, and three days later, or on the third day, I should say, he busted through the wall of death. And, And here's what he did in that moment, I believe. He powerfully struck the head of Satan, the evil one, in that moment of victory over the grave. He proved his authority and his power once and for all. And one day, he is coming back. And he will make all things right. All that is broken, all that is confusing, all the questions that we have, all will be made right once and for all. And we will have the opportunity, if we have received his grace, if we've received the gift of his salvation, we will have the opportunity to experience Eden once again. You see, the Bible begins with a garden, and it ends with a garden. It begins with everlasting life, and it ends with everlasting life. We have the opportunity to have a perfect relationship with God and a perfect restored relationship with one another. So here's the truth that I want you to embrace this Christmas. Jesus, God the Son, came to seek and he came to rescue. Now maybe when you hear the word seek, I don't know, I I think of of a flashlight. (laughs) And and maybe for you the word seek is a little bit creepy. You know, we got this dark worship center and I'm looking around to see who's actually in the room. We had had a few people who came in uh, uh, tonight and... uh, and so, is that bright? Do you find that it's bright? <laughs> and so, Jesus comes, and he, here's the thing he sees. And maybe for you, you hear the word that he sees, and it sounds creepy. You know, he knows when you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness sake. Like, that's not the deal. I think when, when I think of Jesus seeing, that he is the one who sees, what I think of is that he sees in the darkness, he sees in the shame, he sees in those places those places where, where maybe, maybe you are today and you feel like no one sees you. You feel invisible. You feel like nobody cared, cares. I, I think of, you know, so many of my favorite stories of Jesus in the Gospels are stories where Jesus goes to the person that doesn't, doesn't have any hope, doesn't feel like they have any earthly chance. And when nobody else sees them, Jesus sees them whether it's a woman who has had one failed relationship after another, or it's the leper who is untouchable and who's constantly had to scream out for years, unclean, unclean. Maybe it was the blind man who was just hoping for a few coins so that he could find a place to sleep for the night. Jesus sees. He sees you. He sees you in this Christmas season. He sees you. And he he loves you. In fact, the the phrase that I want you to get today is that the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, he sees and he rescues. I I have a a, a rope up here, and I love that this is a red rope. And I think of of Jesus, the great rescuer, the great savior. In fact, that's what, what, even in the prophetic pronouncements of Jesus, that he would be the one who would save his people from their sins. He wants to save you. 
He wants to save you and your sin, whatever is gripping you, whatever is holding on to you. And you know what? So many times we go, well, I haven't sinned. I don't need saved. I don't need rescued. Yes, you do. We can be gripped by all kinds of things, can't we? We can be gripped by greed, jealousy, selfishness, lust. There's so many different things that can grab a hold of us. Jesus came to save and rescue his people from their sins. He sees you. And he's made a way for you to be rescued. See, you can't rescue yourself. I can't rescue myself. Jesus, the son of God, the eternal son of God descends, makes himself nothing, takes upon himself all of our consequences and punishment for our sin so that he could rescue you and I from our sin. See, Jesus knows that your greatest problem is not a struggling marriage. It's not your finances. Your greatest problem is your sin. He sees you and he's longing for you to know his love. He's longing for you to be close to him, to turn from your sin. You know, sometimes you, maybe you've been around circles, uh, Christian circles, maybe you've been on a university campus and you've seen the guy with the great big repent sign. For so many people in our culture, repentance is like this word that we go, ooh, I don't like the word repentance. You know, when I think about repentance, and this comes from Nikki Gumbel, a great author, when I think about repentance, you know who I think of? I think of Ebenezer Scrooge. I do. Ebenezer Scrooge lived his whole life for himself. Lived his whole life gripped by greed, selfishness, jealousy. And one day Ebenezer Scrooge gets a second chance. He gets an opportunity to see reality, to see through the lenses of other people, to see where he was at. And in that moment, he repents. He sees things differently. He no longer sees himself the same way that he saw himself. He now sees himself differently. He no longer sees other people the way they used to see them. He sees them as, as God would want him to see them. He, he no longer sees God the way that he used to see him. If you read the actual Charles Dickens classic, he sees God in a different way. Repentance isn't a bad thing. Repentance is changing your thinking, changing your mind, changing your perception. I don't know what you're going through this Christmas. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've just gotten done doing. I don't know how you ended up even watching this. But I want you to know that God the Son, Jesus, he sees you. He wants to rescue you. In fact, he's made all the provision already to rescue you. He's gone the distance to rescue you. You've got to respond. You've got to humble yourself and say, God, I have sinned against you. I need rescued. Thank you that you see me. Thank you that you not only see me, that you died on the cross to take the consequences and the punishment of my sin. Thank you that you are resurrected from the grave, proving your power and authority, that you have once and for all stomped all over the evil one. I give my life to you. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And you know what, right where you are, right with what you're doing, you can, you can pray a prayer, something like this, Jesus, have mercy on me. I believe you are the son of God, that you are risen from the dead, that you came to this earth so that I might be rescued. Forgive me, 
Empower me to actually actively live for you. Help me to see different. I repent. Give me eyes to see you in ways that I've never seen you before. To see myself in ways that I've never seen myself before. To see others in ways that I've never seen others before. Save me. Rescue me. And here's the thing, if you pray that prayer, he does. He will. He already sees you. He's already made way for restoration and rescue. So I wanna encourage you, would you let us know if you've made this decision? Would you text us 419-307-6787? Would you email me, Ken, at explorejourney.org? Would you message our church or message through whatever, how, whatever way you're watching today? Would you somehow let us know? And here's why, not because we're nosy, because we wanna celebrate with you. We have resources that we wanna give you and help you as you follow Christ. God the Father loves and he gives. God the Holy Spirit empowers and he leads. God the Son sees and he rescues. He sees and he rescues you. I want you to know we love you. We're praying for you. I wanna pray for you in just a moment before we go. And I pray this Christmas season, maybe you know everything that I've just shared. Maybe you could have actually probably done a better job communicating it yourself. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years and years. My prayer for you, my prayer for you is that it would be fresh and new. Your salvation would not just be something that happened years ago. Your salvation would be something that would be brand new today. That you would celebrate, that you would remember, that you would revel in the life that God has given you through Jesus, through his birth, yes, but also through his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. Father, I thank you for everyone who's watching. I don't even know probably some of those who are watching right now, God, I don't know their story, I don't know their background. Maybe there's some watching from entirely different regions. God, I thank you that you know them and you love them and you care about them. Father, I pray that you would embrace them in this moment as they humble themselves and look to you. God, would you bless them? Would you protect them? Would you provide for them? Would you do what only you can do in them and through them and for them? And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, a couple things that I would encourage you with. First of all, as I said earlier, we would love to see you on New Year's Day, Sunday, January 1st at 10 o'clock, just one service. If you haven't yet been baptized, maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You know, in the New Testament, one of the first things that brand new followers of Jesus did is that they would find a body of water and they would get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a symbol, it's a representation. It's declaring to the world what God has already done inside of you. We would love for you to be baptized. Reach out to us and we can give you the details about that this week. And then when you come next week, make sure you get one of these ornaments, uh, that Celtic symbol of God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. We love you. We're praying for you. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. God bless you. Merry Christmas.